before we get started with the podcast, I want to tell you something I'm really pumped about this fall. So many leaders are struggling. We understand. We feel challenged as a team. Churches feel challenged. Nonprofits feel squeezed. Businesses don't know how they're going to recover. And if that's you, I want to invite you to be encouraged alongside of us at the Healthy Leaders Summit, October 5th through 8th. We want to speak directly into the challenges you're feeling right now. It's hard to get healthy and stay healthy in this season, but we want to help you. This isn't just one more online conference. This is an online experience. We believe you'll be encouraged. You'll be equipped. We have some incredible thought leaders, authors, speakers, pastors, business leaders coming to you like Mark Batterson, Sam Collier, Jenny Katrin, Pete Scazzaro, Katie Cole, the Hottie Lewis. We're also going to hear from Jimmy Miato from Compassion International about the succession plan, why it is working so well. Guys, fascinating conversations with some incredible people. You do not want to miss this. Here's what's cool is you get to watch this from home or you could watch this in the boardroom. You could watch this with your team, with a friend, with somebody else or completely by yourself. We want to encourage you to set aside a day on the 5th through the 8th, maybe two days, maybe all four days as kind of a study leave, as kind of a break to be refilled after the September push. Guys, we know you're tired and we want to encourage you to block off this time on the calendar, to dedicate these few days to be refilled in your leadership, in your heart, in your mind, in your soul. You do not want to miss this. For as little as five bucks, you can attend. So go to healthyleaderssummit.com. The registration is live. It is live right now. So go get this, share this with a friend. We can't wait. We will see you at the Healthy Leaders Summit, October 5th through 8th. We are pumped. Well, in this session, we are going to focus on pastors. So there's two groups of people that we're really going to be talking to and around directly to you pastors who are watching this, who are soaking this in. Um, I believe this will be helpful. I believe this will be encouraging. The three of us have a unique look at pastors across the country. The second group are you who are not pastors. So don't tune out. You need this. And this will give you some helpful perspective on this. I've got two of my friends here, Tyler and Josh. Would you guys just start with your heart? Why do you care so deeply for the heart and soul of pastors? Yeah. Uh, you know, former pastor, ordained minister, whatever you want to call it. Um, I never led a church officially. I was on an executive team of a couple of church plants with North Point. And, uh, but I've always loved leaders and then uh, led Catalyst um, Leadership Conference for a few years. And, um, you know, for me, it's, it's because it affects people's faith. Um, when pastors, first of all, they're kind of stuck on, a, they're on an island, kind of isolated. We get to that a little bit later, but also how so goes the pastor, so goes the faith of, of th- potentially thousands of people. And yeah. it's not that I don't really care specifically about the pastor. I 100% do. And that is a genuine love. But it's also because of the, the collateral damage or the collateral good things that can come from a healthy, healthy leader. So for me, it's just, I don't know, it's been a deep down love for leaders, but specifically faith-based leaders, because that's that's kind of the world I live in. And, and I just have one question for you, Alan. Are you sitting on the floor right now? What's happening here? Because all I see is like you're, <laughs> like you're good, right? It's it's like a it's like a Chinese meal that's going on here. I'm sitting very low. I like so, it. Yes. Okay, just check it. Just you know, check you're it. for sure on one of those little medicine balls. <laughs> you got to keep the got to keep the core tight. <laughs> you see me go across here, right? Just trying to stay healthy, guys. Come yeah. on. 
Yeah, I, I think for me, so uh, I've been a pastor for 15 years, still am a pastor. Um, Alan, since you and I last saw each other, I now am an executive pastor in Los Angeles, um, which is weird. Um, and so I think for me, you know, we, we've all had friends that are pastors. Uh, we had one recently this year, our friend Darren Patrick, Take His Life, uh, who is a pastor. I know how hard it is. I, I still know how hard it is. I feel like I, I still live in it day to day. Um, but one of the things that like really always has stayed with me. So I, I had a really good friend who was a pastor, ended up having an affair. Um, he came and lived with my family for a while. We kind of helped restore him. And we were driving home from church one night. And I remember him sitting in my passenger seat, crying on the phone with his sons as his sons cried, trying to explain why dad couldn't come home. And dude, that is like, that was probably 12 years ago. And that is just burned into my brain. And, and then hearing all the stories, talking to guys on the phone and hearing how much they're still struggling, what it does to their marriage. Like Tyler said, what it does to the congregation, you know, uh, you strike, you know, you kind of strike the shepherd, you're going to hurt the flock. And, and so how can we help guys stay healthy? And so that's been my heart in it forever is seeing so many guys. And when I was a church planner in Orlando, we went into Orlando right after, you know, a pastor had taken his life, wanted OD'd. And then another one came out that he had been having an affair for four years. And so you're just kind of like, what in the world is going on? And so my heart is just to help guys not derail their entire yeah. lives. Cause it's hard. Yeah. Well, we have such a similar heart guys. Uh, there's several others who do. And uh, I think what would be helpful for us, for you guys watching and listening who are not a pastor, maybe if we dissect some of the layers of what is so challenging about the life interior and exterior of a pastor that can lead to so many of these challenges and, and sometimes to burnout. Yeah. Yeah. I, man, I think there's, you know, we were kind of talking about a little bit before, but I think there's just tons of different situations. Um, I think, you know, you can't ever underestimate the spiritual toll, right? Like you're, you're leading, you're standing out in front of people. You're, you're, you're the one that's like praying for them, interceding for them. The devil's not going to take that lightly. And so there's that aspect of it, but then there's the other aspect of it, man, that I think is huge is, and I think this has a lot to do with the American culture that we love our celebrities is that we end up living our lives in front of people and we end up, uh, living our lives where everybody thinks they should be able to tell us everything that they think about us. <laughs> right. And regardless of how much you love Jesus and the Lord, bro, that stuff takes a toll, you know, nothing like spending 12 hours on a sermon to walk off stage and someone to be like, you know, I thought that you could have done that better. C plus. Yeah. C plus. And I'm going to leave a quick Yelp review real quick. Yeah, you know. exactly. I'm going to go on Facebook and right. I'm going to, you know, that takes a toll. And I think it just wears you down. And, you know, I, I think I'll, I'll speak for myself in this. It's super hard. And I know that as every pastor and every pastor that's watching this, there's this part of us where we know that pastoring is not our identity, right? Like it's not who we are. Our church attendance is not our identity, but also, I don't think there's a way to separate them. Yeah. And so you end up becoming what you do. And because you do it for the Lord, it can become this like, 
I'm doing it for Jesus. Well, it also really validates yourself. Yeah. And I think it's, and I've struggled with that. I still struggle with that. And I think it becomes this like weird entanglement web um, that just has so many different factors that's dangerous. Yeah. Something I think about Alan is it's one of the only positions in the world where you are trained to do one part of it. If you went to school for it, which is the 30 minutes on Sunday. And I remember when I graduated with my MDiv from Gordon Conwell, I met with the president like a year later and he's like, what do we need to do better? And I said, well, I took 30 courses <laughs> on how to exegete and how to hermeneute and how to teach not one single business 101, not one single leadership 101 class. Like I, all of a sudden the 20% of my job is what hundred percent of my training was in, but there's an 80%, which is leading a staff. So, so if you're a lead pastor, you're asked to be the CEO of a small or medium sized company, make sure the staff is happy and healthy, which half of them are friends that are on payroll. So that's a complicated scenario make sure the elders who are doctors, lawyers, and whatever, and most of the time don't think you should get paid as much as you probably should get paid. <laughs> and then on top of being the CEO of a small company, you're asked to be funny, clear, and make sure you're theologically correct. And then the final you know, icing on the cake is be perfect with your character. So it's just a, it's just an overwhelming job. And at times you say all that, and you go, Do I want, who wants that job? Yeah. And yet it's what he talked about. There's a deep calling there, there's a, like, there's things that we yeah. could do that we've been like, but there's a deep calling in us. And the same with you, Alan, that goes, I can't run for, if I, if I, if I don't do that, I'm running from that calling. Yeah. And, and, and that's what keeps, keeps men and women in the game. But at the same time, so often they haven't been trained on, man, it's more than just being able to preach and, you know, preaching the gospel is a part of it, mm -hmm. but it is, if you can't follow up what you say on Sunday with a really strong Monday through Friday, we're going to be into uh, the, we're going to be a boiling water pretty quick. Nothing like writing a book report every week and then giving an oral presentation on it, you know, just to make you have a freaking meltdown as well. Sure. <laughs> sure. Sunday's coming is the, oh, is the always phrase. Uh, expectations. I mean, what I hear in both of those is unrealistic expectations and a lot of times unsaid expectations. Many For pastors sure. don't know what's expected of them until you don't hit it. And a phrase yep. that we use in coaching is, Frustration is always a product of expectations unmet. Mm -hmm. So if you're frustrated, there's some expectation not being met. Your congregation's frustrated. And there's six different areas recently that were identified uh, in an article by Tom Rayner. And so I wanted to kind of pick those apart just a little bit. This yeah. kind of bleeds in perfectly to that. Uh, in the first one, the pastors are feeling right now in this moment is just a general weariness. So mm -hmm. every human's feeling a weariness, but what do you think is contributing to that guys right now in pastors? Yeah. So I, one of the things I do is I speak to a bunch of pastors and, you know, just like all of us. And I think right now, most guys that I talk to, they can't win. That's what they feel like. They, you know, you take everything going on with racism in America right now. They either didn't say enough. They said too much, or they said it too late, or they said it too soon. You take everything going on with COVID. Uh, you either don't have enough faith because you're not opening the doors or you're putting your congregation at risk because you did open the door. It's just this, you can't win. It's you're, you're, you're just, it's kind of that catch 22, man. Anything you do, there's somebody else. And we know in leadership that there's always the case, but as someone I've, you know, been in ministry for a long, I've never seen it this yeah. polarizing yeah. or this severe, and then I think guys, when, when COVID happened, 
it became everybody was trying to figure it out and everybody was trying to figure out how do we respond as a church. But then on the other side of that, what I saw with guys was they didn't even have their own um, theology of suffering. And so now this is really one of the first times they've ever had to walk through really anything hard. And they're trying to lead a congregation, lead an organization, and then also figure out what they believe about the goodness of God in the face of suffering. Mm. And I think it's just soul crushing dudes right now. That's a good word. We were together as Mm -hmm. COVID is literally breaking we were ground zero we we, think yeah we were tyler was uh he yeah yeah. we're we're in the mountains uh hidden out in a bunker and then suddenly realizing we were actually the perfect spread of covid right absolutely praying for one another singing (laughs) in right next to one another cramming in small most of the cdc guidelines came from our 60 guys together in colorado i'm pretty i'm pretty sure but that's an interesting deal literally i think josh you and i are sitting there we're like texting family and friends of like here's another thing here's another closure you could feel the anxiety just rise in the room for sure what's going to be expected of me and we've aged about five years i'm pretty sure since that moment yeah. which is crazy to to think about all right tyler speaking to this one fighting we're fighting about some things some of them big things a lot of them really small but for whatever yeah. reason have been a big deal how's this wearing pastors down well a little bit along the lines but i was thinking about this i said this to a friend the other day had I don't know that we'll ever live through an actual event, for lack of a better term, that truly impacts every single person on the entire planet. Yeah. You know, we, we live yeah. here. If you live in the U.S., you went through 9-11. That affected all of us, but not the world. I mean, yes, they heard about it. They, you know, it, it'd be like uh, a natural disaster in the sure. Philippines. Well, we know about it. We care about it, but it's not. Yeah. impacting my day to day. This has been, my brother lives in South Korea. Like it's affected him equally. You know, my, like everybody has had some sort of reality because of, of COVID. And, and so that feels like a fight that you can't win. Like, mm-hmm. which I, like you literally just punch in the air and, uh, Oh, by the way, the next day the research changes and now you feel like an idiot because you went off the research from yesterday. And, and then, you know, it, it just, so you have that. Then you also have this heightened political season where congregants, elders, people in your church have very strong opinions one way or the other on election, on uh, racial injustice, on COVID and how to handle it correctly, on your financial plan, which is not realistic right now because nobody knows where it's going. So, you know, you've got, we live in the South, we live in Atlanta. Well, California, our good friend who lives in San Diego, they don't really have any COVID cases right now, but because they're in California, they won't open up any businesses. Yep. So their businesses are slowly dying. It just, it's, it just feels like a constant. It feels like you wake up every day and you go to bed and you haven't stopped. Like yeah. there's no office hours. There's no this. It is just a nonstop grind uh, 24 hours a day. And so I think a lot of our guys and girls yeah. who are leading are walking away going, when do I don't, I don't even know what it looks like to take a break. Yeah, I think a lot of like just normal life and work life has kind of melded together. Like it's all the same. Tyler was saying, because there's no split. There's no, I'm at the office or I'm at church. It's just yep. all the time. And I think right now there's there's always a crisis. Every day is a crisis right now. Do you know, like if it's not COVID or um, everything going on with racial injustice, it's your own family. I mean, 
There are people that are, their marriages are falling apart. They're trying to homeschool their kids, which sweet Jesus, come on. That is, <laughs> it is what, you know, like, it's, it's just not been a, pretty in our household. It no, is not dude. Pretty. It's we're one step from Lord of the Flies at our house. <laughs> like I make my son blow a conch shell before he can talk to me. Which if and, it was uh, Lord of the Rings, now we're making <laughs> yeah. progress. But Lord of the Flies, whew, that's a bad direction. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, I, I just think everything right now feels like a fight. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Probably without. I can't land any punches. If we're going to use that yeah. analogy, I don't yeah. know yeah. what winning is. But man, it is it is wearing me down. Everything's a fight, right? Politics, reentry, mm-hmm. masks, even those kind of things that go, I yeah. can't win. Um, attendance. Some of it is waning uh, yeah. digitally. Some of it, we have no idea what church attendance is going to look like after this. <laughs> Tyler, can you speak into that? What's that doing to, to the heart of pastors? Well, I'll speak to it personally in the sense of, you know, I inherited Catalyst from Brad Lominick, and, and it really was something that he grew to be an amazing organization with a team and all this. And, and you know, uh, there was an expectation for me, like, you know, these numbers are this and the revenue should be this, but attendance should be this. And I, I felt it, you know, in the event business, the same way a pastor feels that when you have an event and one of your sponsor mm-hmm. goes, Hey man, there's just not as many people here as we expected. And you're like, well, me either, but I don't want to tell you that because, yeah. you know, um, I really have walked through years of just processing what it feels like to feel failure, whether it was artificial or real, like that's hard. That's the fight again. It's like, is this a real expectation yep. or is this the story I tell myself that Brene Brown would always say like, uh, but the truth is we're going to feel failure as we do this. And a part of all of these conversations really are, we have to, we can't wait for these things to happen to choose to be healthy leaders. Like at the end of the day, I got to figure out some systems and some tools to make sure that when failure comes into my mind and in my heart and my soul, because the numbers are not adding up, like I need them to add up or that my elders or bosses want want them to add up to be, or that my own personal agenda wants them to be added up uh, correctly. Then, I'm going to lose every time if, if I feel like that is the, is my identity. If my identity is wrapped in those numbers, I say that going, man, it's it's so hard for that not to be the case. Like you were saying earlier, but we, the only way to do that, and this is as John Acuff would say a Jesus juke, but we've got to have our identity in Jesus and then build some really strong mental and emotional health practices to avoid letting that be the case. And so, yeah, I've dealt with it my whole career as well in a little bit of a different, um, you know, sphere. And, and even before that, when I was at the church, you know, when we'd have Sundays that were dipping, you're like, well, is it because of my job or what, you know, who, who, yeah, for sure. Whose responsibility was it to make sure everybody was here? Sure. My favorite is a preacher is actually when you're preaching and you see someone just stand up and leave. <laughs> that's, that's the part where you're just like, you cool, know it's because of you. Later, you found out that they had to go meet yeah, a yeah. friend, their kids yeah. at a soccer game. But it's it's always about you, right? I know that feeling oh, as well. Dude. So even just yeah. with the attendance, it does not feel good to go back into a room when there's 30%, 50%, 70% capacity because we are wanting that feeling. We've been longing and lonely for yeah. that feeling. And let's not forget that pastors are not exempt from saying, I want to see these people, introvert or extrovert. Sure. Pastors love people. I hope that pastors uh, love people. Right. And, and many saying, I just want to be with all of my people again and the unsurety of, of when that'll come back. So Josh going to throw this one over to you finances. 
Obviously, attendance and finances are linked here, but some of the financial hits and then just the unsurety of future financial hits, how's that affecting pastors? I mean, how would it affect any of us if our if our own family income started getting demolished? I mean, it's just, it's a stressor and it, it's a hard deal. It's, you're looking at it, you're having to, like Tyler said, most of the people that work at churches, a lot of them, especially mid-sized to smaller, are all friends. We've all done this together, worked together. So now you're having to lay off your friends and then there's an emotional relationship that gets affected. I just think with attendance and finances that go so hand in hand, that there's there's just just like with our own personal finances, there's no way for it not to be a stressor. There's no way for it not to freak out. And I think what was so unique, uh, one of the organizations I work for is called One Hope. And so one of the things I would do is I would go through and talk with guys and we'd be like, hey, how's your finances doing? Uh, how's everything with the church? And at the beginning, everybody's like, our finances are up. It's because they're cutting costs. People, you know, at the beginning, we were all like, we're in this together forever. And now we're just like, get me out of here. And so, but now what we're starting to see, because COVID's going on longer than I think people thought it was, now people's finances are starting to be affected. And church's finances are starting to be affected. I talked to one of my good friends today who pastors a church, an awesome church in Chattanooga. He said that this past, this year, they've given out $800,000 just to congregants to help them get through hard times. Well, if he's given out $800,000 that wasn't budgeted for, but as a pastor, he has a heart to help his people, but also he has an organization and staff. There's no, because I've been in this role, there's no way that you put your head on your pillow at night and be like, man, I'm going to sleep great tonight. Like you're going to toss and turn. And I don't, it's so crazy in all of this to me, how the devil is very crafty at the way that he works. And how he can take these things that were never meant to to be our identities or never meant to be our securities. But then when things like this happen, we really realize where our identities and our securities lie. And But now you're in the middle of a pandemic and now you're realizing, man, I've, I've put my identity and security in some things I was never supposed to. I didn't know was there. And so then it's this other internal struggle of, of pastors having to work through. But I got work know, to do, right? I yes. Got, This thing, this crisis mode, uh, and I'm convinced many leaders have been in crisis mode since the moment that COVID hit and really haven't pulled out of that. Maybe got a little bit of time. Many have canceled vacations. Many are working more, twice as much uh, more from some people who who I know with half or a quarter of of the measurable results as before. So all these things bleed together. And I think that like you kind of asked about church attendance, like, we can't measure this. This is ridiculous. Like, you know, just church attendance will be what it is based off of when we get back. And that's what we need to hold on to. Otherwise, man, and I don't, we all notice this, but this is why I called it when COVID first happened, churches, it became an arms race to see who could get the biggest preachers or the biggest name on a Sunday morning to preach, to get people to tune in and watch. That's great for a season, but that's not building a church. That's nobody's just nobody's given to that. Nobody's given to that. People are just watching it. So we could, I had I had one buddy, he was having like 300 something thousand viewers a weekend. 300,000. Wow. And he's like, "We've grown." And I'm like, oh. <laughs> you know, sure. maybe sure viewers, yeah. congregants, yeah. What does this look or, like long term? Exactly. Mm. And so right now what this has showed us in the church world is 
because there's so many amazing communicators out there and preachers out there that city limits now do not hold right. too much of who attends a church. But it's going to be interesting because I think what people realize now is what they really desire is community. Yep. Very so, different ends of the spectrum. All this, very different. we just don't know where it's leading either. And so I think yep. underneath all of this is an unsurety that says everything with an asterisk. I'm not sure everything. what yep. is next. Um, all right, Tyler, let's pivot over into criticism. Pastors are getting a lot of criticism. This is great earlier. for Tyler because he gets criticized a lot. All the time. Perfect. Perfect. You can't win, right? You make this decision. Half the people Don't are angry with you. Talk about criticism and how that is impacting the heart of leaders and pastors. I, I don't think it's that different, Alan, than, than a normal season, uh, with the exception of the targets moving constantly. Mm-hmm. But listen, we live in a world like if, if you like criticism and, and cynical people and sarcastic people, I don't know any, um, but if you let cynicism and those who are cynics also be the voices you allow to hear, like speak into your life, you're, you're not going to win. And that's a rule whether COVID's existing or not. And so one of the biggest things I like to encourage leaders in general is you got to figure out who are the voices you mm-hmm. do want to listen to and seek them out and find them out. It doesn't mean you tune everybody out in your congregation. I mean, you, it's part of pastoring. You got to hear it, but you have to figure out a boundary that yeah. says, you know what? These eight people are my, they're, they're my people. They don't all agree with me all the time. They don't always think exactly the way I think, but I know at the end of the day that their criticism comes from a place of love, a place of care, a place of moving me forward yeah, that's going to save a lot of heartache because uh, you start listening to every, you know, person that decides to send you an email, it, it you're just going to lose. And it doesn't mean you don't respond. But, you know, I, I think one of the hardest parts about this personally uh, and relationally, Alan, is that one of the hardest people in my life for me to take criticism from is my wife. And that's not because, it, which is the opposite of what it should be, right? It's like she is the biggest supporter and yeah. fan. And well, I'm the same way. I think most men are. Like, I want my wife to think I'm awesome, not be like, yeah, but it's, that was a dumb move. Exactly. But it's yeah. interesting because we can, we can let somebody on our team, we can <laughs> let somebody on our staff, male or female, who, For would, sure. who would speak in. And I go, oh, that's, yeah, I hadn't yeah. thought about that. What my yeah. favorite is when somebody else on your staff tells you the same thing your wife's already told you. And yeah. you go and with that you go person that and it makes them yeah. angry. You lose. Yeah. Yeah. But that's my point. It's like, sure. it's hard. I'm not saying yeah. it's easy, but who yeah. are those voices that you go, you know what? They care for me so yeah. much so yeah. that they're willing to put themselves in a difficult conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you cannot listen to every voice that is out there because yeah. you will never feel like you are good enough. And I think sure. it could be helpful to even define, put those people down on paper. Is yeah, that write it down? Board, is that your team and say, these people, I'm actually going to seek them out so they don't have to come with to, to me with criticism. Yeah, there's, How do we wade through the political conversation? What, yeah, there's an invitation needed. Exactly. Any questions, five or six big, big questions you're asking, some open dialogue. I like that. And then to be able to push out uh, the rest because we're simply not wired to handle all the criticism. Yeah. Um, on our teams, in our congregations, or especially on social media today. For sure. Uh, let's talk about workload. People working a lot, a lot of extra hours. How's the workload weighing on pastors? 
I don't, I don't think they turn it off right now. I think that's the, I, I mean, from most guys I talk to, like we were kind of saying earlier, it's just constant. It's a constant. Some guys usually take vacations over the summer or take breaks or sabbaticals, time to get away. And, you know, before I was a lead pastor, I didn't really understand that that much. But then once I did that for a few years, you realize like, oh, I just need to get away from everybody for a while. And I think right now the issue is, is guys just aren't stopping. Yeah. It's, it's, we feel like we have to do a Devo online in the morning and we feel like we have to do a small group online and then we have to do church and we got to do a Wednesday mm-hmm. night. And we got to do, a, yeah. then we have to do, we have to feed people because they don't have job. It's just nonstop right now. And I think that goes back to the other thing with criticism. Guys are allowing the fear of criticism to continue to drive them to do things in an unhealthy rhythm. And I get it. I'm not saying that's like, you know, you should be better than that. I'm saying yeah. like, I understand that. And and I think he texts me at midnight. He texts me at four. <laughs> That's I think, ridiculous. I think at some point, you know, like I've, I've told some of my friends during this season and it's like, this is like really good advice that I wish I could give to myself. You know what I mean? And actually listen to, I said, at the end of the day, all you can do is try to lay your head on your pillow at night and say, Lord, I feel like I did everything that you called me to today. And I go that if we, if you can get there, that will help like somehow, but I don't know how to get there. I I would add to that from a practical perspective. Listen, think about it, Alan. If you text me at 7 PM tonight, you're probably not expecting a response from me. However, I feel this need to respond or Mm -hmm. whatever, but you're not expecting that. It's like we, we put expectations that aren't even real from other people. And so one of the reasons, and John Acuff's worked from home for a long time. He's a great guy talking about just the practicality of working from home, but he has a, a, a practice of what starts my day so that I know that I'm in work mode and what ends my day. Maybe for you, it's like in, in my office here, it's pulling down the shades on the doors tells me I'm done. I'm done for the day. And you sing closing time by Sunday. Yeah, I sing that yeah. really loud. And, yeah. but my point is I'm shutting it down. And occasionally if I get a text at night and it's not hurting the family, yep. okay, not a big deal, but yep. I'm not scheduling meetings at night. And the hard part is a lot of people are going, yeah, but you're, you can do it from home. You can jump on for 30 yeah. minutes. Yeah. I don't no, want to. I don't, yeah. I don't do and that. And one of the things that I've seen is I've, well, I've gotten to see people's homes. Some of that's been right. awesome to go like, Oh, Hey, where are you at? And you see it really low while you look at them. <laughs> That's right. I sit on the floor while I'm meditating here. But I think that the key thing with that is that we're seeing people's lives, proximity and and incarnationally. And I'm seeing, wait a minute, you've literally set up in your bedroom where you sleep is about 18 inches from where you're sitting. And the greater the proximity, the greater the boundaries we need. And so we've moved suddenly from, right, I had a walk, I had a 5, 10, 15, 30 minute drive in somewhere else. Those have been squished together with this idea that, well, you should have more time, right? There's this phantom yeah. of like, you've got more time. We're going to rest during COVID. And people are like, who are these three people in the world who are <laughs> resting more during COVID? Right, yeah, yeah, why right, are yeah. they spoiling the batch? So again, expectations, proximity, boundaries, so many of these things. Um, I want to add just a seventh to Tom Rainer's list. Here are things that are really driving pastors down. It's just the ambiguity. What is mm-hmm. this? What did the summer exist for? What is this fall? What is back to school? I know that three of my four kids are not back to school in the classroom. What are we going to do with college football? I mean, that's very important. 
that's kind of the that's a whole nother episode we're gonna do here but it's ambiguous but it's ambiguous what is next what about this and uh, i've heard more in this season i don't know and now i'm starting to hear i don't know what to tell them i don't know what to do next and it's as if we've waited far enough on some charisma some decision making maybe some advice from from boards and teams and saying they expect me to have an answer and high accomplishing leaders you're watching this and you are saying i don't know like this is the moment to seek wise counsel but it really is the moment to get down on our knees i mean i believe that in this ambiguity i'm like i I don't have any more arrows left for sure be able to to be able to shoot so i want you guys to speak directly to these two groups right now and the first group is to those who are not pastors how can you specifically care for pastors during the season? Yeah. Uh, encourage them. Like, just be nice. <laughs> like, I mean, Do you know what I mean? Just care. Just care about them. Ask them how they're doing. Treat them like a normal human being. Like, and, and understand that this is also the first time that they've ever walked through a global pandemic. I think, man, like, we, we know this the pastor is the person in the church that receives the less, the least amount of grace. Mm. And I, and I think yep. that that is like, just be nice to them. Just lo- like if some, like when I used to get letters as a pastor, just someone saying, thank you. I have a folder that I've saved all of them because there's Rick Warren told me that one time you save all of them because there's going to be a day that you want to quit. And what you do is you go back and actually read all the letters where people were nice to you. Do you always name drop Rick Warren? I'm yeah, just always. Asking. I was just curious. Always. You always name drop Rick Warren or he runs out of that door and That's slaps right. you. He would be here. He's in there. That's right. He's in there. <laughs> Sorry, Pastor. Um, but you always have to like just remind yourself of the people that have been caring and nice right. to you. Because, dude. That's what like, okay, I'm making a difference. These people, I'm here to help them. They're like, that's what, just be nice. Mm-hmm. Just care for them. Good. Yeah. And I think too, when you talk about the other group, you've got <laughs> yeah. pastors, but you've always got, you've got business leaders. The same tension you're feeling of your business mm-hmm. day in and day out, you have to recognize not only is your pastor feeling that for the church that you attend, that you give to, that they're trying to be good stewards of those resources, they're also trying to go, oh, man, we didn't have the equipment or gear yeah. to be able to stream this to the quality that you'd be proud of. We didn't have yeah. the, like you said, you know, like there's there's a tension there because um, because of the stewardship aspect. But also, okay, again, let me remind you, you got to be funny. You got to be clear. You got to be authentic. And you got to be really good on Sunday yeah. while shifting an entire organization in a global pandemic. So I think the same uh the same tension and ambiguity you're feeling in your business. It's no different within the church. Like we are a business that's trying to run and stay afloat and pay people that, you know, their livelihoods and their families and take care of them and Mm -hmm. give them insurance. And Oh, by the way, their eternity and their outlook on faith is impacted by how we do that. Yeah. Um, So you're right. It's just, it's a lot, but it's not, it's, that's why hope matters in the midst of these things. I remember I've told people before, like I couldn't walk through hard seasons of my life without hope. Yeah, for sure. Like, I don't know what you would do without, and for me, it's faith for Josh. It's faith. It's our faith yeah. in Jesus that gets us through these things and going, but if you can finally figure out as a pastor, how to partner your faith, which is usually really deep and really good with an actual understanding of leadership, 
and, and working through some practical things and not just assuming faith will cover those over, man, now you're going to start probably, you're going to start seeing some traction maybe, and maybe start seeing, you know what? I don't have to please all those mm-hmm. people because I'm doing what I'm called to do and I'm doing it well. I'm caring for the people that, that need to be cared for. Number one, I don't know. I just think there's a way to walk through ambiguity. There's a beauty in all of this too, Alan. There's, there's some, some things, some elephants in the room and some golden calves to mix metaphors that are being <laughs> torn down in churches yeah. that for, yep. I mean, for years, people said, you can't do that at that specific yep. church or this denomination yep. or this thing. And you're going, yep. we have a choice now. Yeah. And it's, it's a good the moment thing. to kill that ministry that has been sucking a lot of life, That's out right. of a lot of resources without much fruit. Like without it, really it being personal to reexamine. That's the beauty of it. I tell business leaders and church leaders, Hey, if you like adjust, get rid of that because yeah. it's not as personal right now. That's, that is a, Hey guys, we can't afford this thing anymore. We can't, we have just been pouring resources to something that is not effective anymore. That is not helping anymore. Let's move on from that and reallocate those resources. And you're able to do it in a season where you're able to look and go, we didn't have a choice. Like yeah. this is a part of what we had to do. Yeah, that's good. So I thought we'd end by just directly speaking to and encouraging pastors in this season. If you are watching this, we love you on behalf of Stay Forth Designs, 1010 Project, the three of us, many other leaders that stand with you and Rick say Warren. we love you. Rick, Pastor Rick. Rick Warren, right. It's like you can't argue with Rick Warren in that sense. Just like you quote C.S. Lewis and you're like, well, C.S. Lewis said it, right? So Rick Warren. I, I will do whatever you tell me to. Sure. All of us and Rick Warren stand yeah. with you. We love you. We care for you. So guys, just leave us with some encouragement straight for the heart of pastors. Yeah. Here, here's what I've been wrestling with as a pastor and not just as a pastor, but as a dad and a husband and all of like, I know when I was uh, pastoring a church, I planted how much I tried to control everything and how much I tried to like, what if part of the reason that God's allowing this, causing this, whatever you want to say, whatever your theological slant is, which has to be right and clear, and which funny. has to be yeah, yeah, humble and accurate opinion. Um, <laughs> but whatever your theological slant is, what if one of the things that God is wanting to teach to us pastors in this is how to hold everything more open handed? And that's the thing that, man, I keep having to remind myself um, is God is still on the throne. This did not catch him off guard. Um, just because the world seems like it's in a meltdown doesn't mean that God's up in heaven freaking out. And so I've actually been asking the Lord and what I would challenge every pastor with is God's not surprised that you are pastoring a church right now. He has you in this place for a very specific reason. And he has called you to shepherd the flock during a global pandemic. And the thing that I always try to remind myself, out of every leader, person, pastor in the world, God said, I want you to pastor these people in the face of a global pandemic, in the face of racial injustice, in the in the face of probably one of the most polarizing uh, political years that I've ever seen since I've been alive. And God chose you to do that. So don't let anybody else make you feel like God did not choose you for the position that you're in right now. Yeah, that's good. And, and basically, I love how at the beginning of many of the letters that Paul wrote, he said, I, Paul, an apostle appointed by God. Mm-hmm. That, that is not arrogance. That is a confidence and calling and, and leaning and yeah. trusting. You know what? God has put me in this yep. position. 
But I think the other thing is we are hope dealers. That's our job. We, we, we get hope from the greatest leader that's ever walked, the greatest. I mean, Jesus is, he's it. Well, there's hope that overflows from that. And, and the truth is, and I know this sounds super simple, but if you're not walking with Jesus on a regular basis, if you're not praying consistently, if you are not filling up the well, it is going to be tough sledding. And um, I think you just got to make sure that it's amazing. Alan, a number of guys I've coached and I've been like, it was the last time you just like, how, what's your quiet time? I know that sounds like, but like, what's your, what's your Bible time? Like, uh, or what's your favorite new worship song? I don't really listen to worship when I'm not at church, not teaching prep, right? Not band practice. Right. Yeah. This not is prepping you. for Sunday. Your personal relationship with Jesus is the most important element of your preparation for Sunday. It has to be. So yeah. That's, I think that's our encouragement. And, and that's our heartbeat is going, this thing's too hard. This yeah. ministry stuff is too hard not to be healthy and yeah. have some good practices yeah. in place. And that's what we love about you and what you're doing with Stay Forth. And um, that's what we love about us. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's what we love about us. <laughs> and that's what we love about Rick Warren, really deep down. So, it's, hey, thanks for having us for real, Alan. And, and thanks for the way you're pouring into yeah, leaders. Man. Yeah, I love you guys. And man, uh, there are many who care about you. If you are a pastor, um, this is a really hard time to lead. You are trying to yep. do a really hard thing. And I want to remind you of this, the, the same grace you preach yep. on Sunday, would you just take the risk to receive it? Yeah. How you would good. say to somebody, sounds like you need a break. Would you say the same to yourself? I'm a big fan of getting away. These guys love leisure and wilderness. And these things have been life to me. Yep. To go yep. out and take a walk not while listening to a podcast and learning one more thing, but like yeah. just to go invest in yourself. We want to live out of abundance. And many times we live That's right. out of scarcity instead. And so I just want to remind you, pastor, that you are worth it. Your soul is worth investing in we, your heart. We need it to stay fresh. So you can continue to nourish us. We love you. We're with you on behalf of stay forth and the 1010 project. Much love to you pastors. And if you can reach out and encourage a pastor be nice, write a note, pray yep. for them. Be the person that's reaching out to them just to say we love you, not yep. to criticize them. Well, friends, if you're listening to this, you've survived. You survived a crazy season of life and leadership. What's clear to me right now is we are in the wilderness. We've gone off the path, and we are bushwhacking through the wilderness, trying to find trails and asking what is ahead? What is this new different that we are stepping into in late summer and fall and beyond? And truthfully, we don't know. We don't know how this thing is going to move and what decisions we're going to have to make. But I will tell you this, it will require strong leadership. It will require decisions of you that you haven't made before. And I want to walk alongside of you in your leadership journey. I call myself a mountain guide for the leadership journey. And guys, as you navigate the wilderness, let me remind you, don't do this alone. Don't do this alone. Me and our other Stay Forth coaches are here to help you as you navigate these treacherous times as we head into the great unknown. Whether you are a business leader, a ministry leader, nonprofit leader, pastor, if you are a kingdom leader, you're going to continue to have to navigate tough decisions. Now, I know that coaching can be expensive to invest in our 10 tools and 10 sessions coaching process, but we've created an alternative for you that's a coaching subscription. You can pay on a monthly basis. We have a basic plan and a hearty plan. I'll walk alongside of you with regular coaching sessions, check-ins over the phone, and in-time decision-making. You know that decision that you have to make that week and you're feeling the pressure of? How good would it feel to have somebody in your corner 
to help you make those decisions. Also have some communication with you on Marco Polo for those back and forth in between. So we believe that this can help us care for leaders even better in this season to help you make your next right step and for us to be a little bit more accessible than just a call every week or every other week. So this coaching subscription, you can find out more about this. It's got an easy price point, honestly, a great entry point for coaching. It's not right for everybody, but some of you listening could gain so much from this coaching subscription as we continue to navigate the wilderness heading into the fall. Check out more on this at stayforth.com backslash coaching. Again, check out our coaching subscription. Spots are limited, but I would love to walk alongside of you in your leadership journey. Shine, shine, we ain't focused so long.